Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, welcome to Mortification of Spin Bully Pulpits. Today we want to tackle a topic that we hope will be interesting and instructive, a topic that probably has no simple, single, easy answer, and that is the question of the relationship between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. Where are the areas where we agree and can affirm uh, a common core of beliefs, and where are the areas where we have significant disagreements? We've had a number of Roman Catholic guests on this show over recent months, uh, mainly because we think they have significant and serious contributions to make to contemporary discussions. But we thought it was perhaps uh, now an opportunity to step back uh, for a moment and reflect upon what is it that unites and divides us. Mm. Todd. Well, Carl, my question has to do with, I, I think we need to clear something up. You and your wife were actually just on holiday in, uh, in Rome, among other places. We were. Can you please finally put to bed any, you know, rumors, a few I think I probably started, that you were in the process of converting to Roman Catholicism? Is, is it true or not? Uh, well, uh, it's, it's, it's a question with a complicated answer. <laughs> I have to say that uh, I have tasted of the end time. <laughs> Sitting outside uh, a trattoria in Rome, drinking red wine in 70-degree sunshine in April, has to be as close to heaven uh-huh. on earth as anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. So they've got to be doing something right. Yes, they have. But uh, <laughs> I, particularly if, uh, you know, if, if Al Mohler is listening, I, I certainly <laughs> want to assure him that I did not swim the Tiber physically huh. or even metaphysically wow, okay. when I was in Rome. Okay, so I should stop saying that to people. Duly yeah. noted. <laughs> yeah. Duly noted. Convicted Protestant, but I do appreciate Italian reds and Italian sunshine. There you go. Okay. Even Pasty Carl appreciates it. <laughs> Absolutely. I was sitting there with my white legs, my dark socks, and my open-toe sandals. <laughs> Nothing says British man abroad than open-toe sandals and black socks. <laughs> they had oh, no poor, idea poor you were Katrina. a tourist. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So um, I, maybe the, the best thing to do would be to say, um, are there a few important areas where where Protestants and Roman Catholics have agreement. Now, that question is a little bit tricky because when you say, what do Catholics believe? It can oftentimes be as varied as each individual Catholic you talk to. But if we go back and look historically at Roman Catholic dogmatics, um, where where are we in agreement with them? I think that's an important distinction to make. The Roman Catholic that you live next to Mm -hmm. on your street probably doesn't have a particularly accurate grasp of of what their church teaches. So the best way to understand Roman Catholic teaching, I think there are two things to get hold of. One of them is called Denzinger. Denzinger's Enchiridion, which is a collection of church councils and decrees over the years. It's a a sort of definitive collection of statements by the Roman church over the centuries. And the other is the Catechism of the church uh, put together under John Paul II. But these represent the official teaching of the church rather than the popular treatments that one might get from one's neighbor. Right. When you look at the catechism, when you look at something like Denzing, I think what becomes clear is that we do share a core of basic 
what we might call theology proper kind of beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, the doctrine of God. And I have to say that some of the best work on the doctrine of God in contemporary systematics is being done by Roman Catholic theologians. The Trinity, defenses of immutability and impassibility and simplicity. you really got to look for Roman Catholic theologians defending these classical and a, doctrines. And a few Reformed Baptists, and a few, interestingly and enough. And a few Reformed Baptists, mm-hmm. yes. Christology, understanding of the incarnation, of course. That's mm-hmm. something else we can affirm with Roman Catholics. And you know, just to complicate the situation, given the fact that it's been revealed in the last 12 to 18 months that many evangelical Protestants yeah. right. don't have a particularly sound grasp of the doctrine of God. Right. That raises some interesting questions for me yeah. about, about relations with, with Roman Catholics. It really made me reflect on, and this is something I had thought about and written about a little bit before the whole Trinity debate broke loose, but you know, we, we so criticize the Roman Catholic Church for its magisterium, you know, and, and how the Pope is infallible and... Um, there isn't this personal responsibility laid on the congregants theologically per se. And yet you see so much in broader evangelical Protestantism, kind of the same thing practically working itself out, except for with more of a celebrity feel instead of a Pope or whatever. Yeah, don't we disagree have. with this well-known celebrity. I mean, if he said out. it, then yeah. it must be true. Sure. It's, yeah. it's, we give that same infallibility to, mm-hmm. um, well, if you remember that, that post last year from a very senior evangelical saying, look, it can't be heresy if Wayne Grudem right. and Bruce Ware are I mean, teaching it. Right. Now, Bruce Ware and Wayne Grudem, their assessment of their teaching aside, that's not a good argument. Right. Right. That's a, an argument which has a magisterial Roman Catholic right. dynamic mm-hmm. to it. Right. So it's I think you're right. personal responsibility, like we yeah. shout and shout sola scriptura, but... I'm not so sure what we mean when we're saying right. that. Yeah. And, you know, let's also be reminded that when it comes to the Trinity, John Owen famously said that when it comes to the doctrine of the Trinity, we are in complete agreement with with the Roman Catholics. But, of course, that's not, you know, that, that, that's not the only matter that we have to be concerned with, because now when we get to the chasm between us, it's no small matter. Yeah. Because at this point now, we, we begin to touch on issues of salvation, the gospel, etc., yeah, and I think the areas of disagreement, uh, it's, you know, there are many small areas of disagreement, mm-hmm. but if one wanted to look at the, at the big questions, clearly the issue of justification, justification by grace through faith is a Protestant distinctive uh, denied by the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. There is also the issue of the role of the sacraments. Those two issues are closely connected, mm-hmm. yeah. but Roman Catholic salvation is a highly sacramental Salvation, And indeed, that then connects to notions of authority, Mm -hmm. that the Roman Church has a sacramental authority that it claims in a way that uh, Reformation Protestantism would claim a ministerial authority for the Church. Reformation notions of ecclesiastical authority are highly qualified compared to those of of Roman Catholicism. Exactly. So I'm thinking about people in our churches. They have a Catholic neighbor. One thing I've heard many, many times is, well, look, you know, let's not be grandstanding here. You know, Catholics can be Christians just as easy as as a Protestant can. Well, you know, I would say yes and no to that. I would hope that we would hold out hope for for anyone's uh, conversion. But the fact is, it would be very hard to be a Christian in in the categories by which we understand a, a regenerate believing person. It would be very hard to do that and hold dogmatically to Roman Catholic theology. Again, I don't I would not say that a, you know a member of the Roman Catholic Church cannot be converted, 
but it's almost as if it needs to be in spite of what despite, their, their dogma yeah. is rather than because of it. Yeah, although there's a sense in which that's true for Protestants as well. I think we're mm-hmm. all saved despite what we believe. Anyone <laughs> who's preached on justification by grace through faith will know that you will have a conversation after that sermon with a member of your congregation where they just don't get it. And True. their understanding of justification involves some high degree of of works. That is true. So I'm perhaps a little more sanguine than mm-hmm. you on, on on that front, Todd. I'm inclined to think that the Roman Catholic Church, I, I agree with Machen on this, is it is a church, mm-hmm. but where the gospel has been buried under an awful lot of extraneous, yeah, yeah. to use pejorative nonsense, right. if you like. But I would not want to say that as with Machen, put Roman Catholicism in the same league as liberal Protestantism. Liberal Protestantism seems to me to be an absolute denial yeah. that Christ came and took flesh right. and rose from the dead. It, well, it absolutely is. And, and that's, that's an interesting point because Machen did make it clear that at least there were times when he felt like he had more in common with a doctrinaire Roman Catholic than, than with Protestant liberals, precisely because of things like the supernatural, yeah. God taking on flesh. Right. What does Protestant liberalism do as one of their first projects? You do away with the supernatural, which means you've done away with the incarnation. You've done away with the resurrection. You've done away with the atonement uh, completely. And at least Roman Catholics, conservative Roman Catholics, still have categories for those things. Maintain the supernatural. Right. Well, those who are intellectual in the faith more. I mean, you talk to a wide variety of Roman Catholics, just like Protestants, and I love talking to those who are serious about their faith in the Roman Catholic Church because I feel like they're very upfront about their platform and they don't take it personal when we where we disagree. Mm-hmm. And it can be very sharpening and right. um, on both ends. But just like with Protestants, you know, I have many Roman Catholic friends who have an eclectic variety of what they believe mm-hmm. that doesn't even align itself so much with their own catechism. And they're a little more frustrating to talk to. And that is one thing I wonder, and this could be a problem in both churches too, but um, depending on how confessional a church is, I guess, for membership. But, um, you know, the disciplinary part of all of that, because there's this huge ostensible unity in the Roman Catholic Church. You know, they're not divided into a bunch of denominations like we are. Mm. But, and um, yet, and yet, they're highly yeah. divided. Yeah. They're so divided. Yep. So yep. Um, that can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah. The unity advocated, or at least claimed by the Roman Catholic Church, is is really not unity. You have liberals and conservatives, charismatics and non-charismatics. On and on it goes. Uh, yeah. So they're deeply divided. And that's what makes the current uh, papacy so interesting, mm-hmm. because so many conservative Roman Catholics were very triumphalist during the period of John Paul II and yeah. then, uh, and then Benedict Sixteenth, But the sudden switch from what was really uh, a fairly conservative mm-hmm. theological trajectory to, I hesitate to call it a liberal theological trajectory because frankly, I don't think the current Pope has much theology to have a direction. Right. It seems to me that Catholicism has exchanged two fairly deep thinkers, agree or disagree with them. They were deep thinkers, one a philosopher, one a theologian. For somebody who to quote a Roman Catholic friend of mine, not only isn't a deep thinker, but despises right. deep thought. And there's a certain element of, of schadenfreude from a Protestant perspective, mm. having seen numerous <laughs> Protestants convert over recent years to Rome because of the chaos that is evangelical right. Protestantism. Right. And, 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 the, and the intellectual sharpness yeah. of the prior popes. Yeah. 
which now isn't the case. Yeah, they've now got, you know... They've got a social justice warrior. They've got the, yes, the equivalent of a liberal evangelical right. in the papacy. Right. And it's going to be a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've even seen articles, serious articles written on Catholic websites about whether it's, according to canon law, it is possible to charge the Pope with heresy, whether the Pope can be in schism with the church. Um, the answer to both of those, I believe, is no. Right. But the very fact that those questions are being seriously asked right, indicates that the church huge. is plunging into chaos. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for most of our listeners, those who know and have met uh, Roman Catholics, perhaps as neighbors or co-workers, it's not uncommon to meet a Roman Catholic and, and find out very soon that they have oftentimes very have, have very little idea of um, the doctrinal convictions of their of their church. Periodically. I will meet a Roman Catholic that can still tell me some things from the catechism, mm -hmm. but very often not. And, and very often you will meet a Roman Catholic that doesn't hear preaching on any regular mm -hmm. basis. Now, a couple things about that. One is that Protestants have no room to crow about that because if you just look at the state of preaching in most of our big evangelical churches in the country, it's, it's nothing to brag about. So we have, you know, you can meet tons of church-going Protestants who can't tell you much about the Bible either because they never hear it faithfully preached. However, I think that it would be wise for us to approach a Catholic neighbor, a Catholic coworker, as someone for whom the gospel might be foreign. Mm -hmm. And so would want to encourage folks to look for opportunities to speak to them on that level. But but I would say, know what Catholics believe before you charge well, in and do that. That's what I was just going to say, because I, I've been in many conversations with Roman Catholics that think, you know, we're not all that different. And the only mm -hmm. big thing separating us is transubstantiation. Right, right. And when that whole is the Reformation over mm -hmm. came out, um, I went ahead and bought a copy of the Catholic Catechism. Mm -hmm. And it was very enlightening to read through and just see where those real differences are. I mean, right. even even the canon of Scripture itself. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I just think it's it's important for Protestants to be sharpened on what Roman Catholics confess, right? because then that can really help us in a conversation with them. Well, actually, there's some of these differences here. Right. And if they know that we cared enough mm -hmm. to learn what they believe, I think it helps the conversation. Right. Yeah. If you rush into a conversation with a Roman Catholic and immediately charge them with being attached to the great whore of Babylon, you might not get an audience <laughs> with them. Um, it might feel good to say that, but you might not actually get an, an audience with them. And and also, you know, if you come up to a, a faithful Roman Catholic and say, you don't believe in salvation by grace, they're going to disagree with you right, right. if you just state it like that. Yeah. Because a typical Roman Catholic is going to say, oh, I do believe that we're saved by grace. Now, it's the devil is in the details and in the definitions. But the point is, is that please, if you're going to speak to a Roman Catholic neighbor and try to gauge if they know Christ and, and how to share the gospel with them, know what they believe, have a good idea, or else you're just going to insult them. Hmm. It would be like a Muslim coming up to you and saying you're a polytheist because you confess the Trinity. You know, how do you talk with a person who's that ignorant about your belief system? So with that in mind, we, we do have a product we would like to give away to some lucky listeners who would like to go online and register for it. It is a book entitled Roman Catholic Theology and Practice, an Evangelical Assessment. It is published by Crossway and written by Greg Allison of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. It is an excellent book, an excellent overview of Roman Catholic theology. And if you have Roman Catholics in your life, in your neighborhood, and, and you have a heart to share the gospel with them, this might be a great book for you to turn to 
to know what they believe and to know how to speak to them intelligently. But you can go to mortificationofspin.org and register to receive a copy of Roman Catholic Theology and Practice by Greg Allison. We would love for you to check out our website sometime, go to the blog. Every once in a while, you'll find something on the blog that causes a whole lot of controversy and discomfort for your faithful bloggers. But nevertheless, we would love to have you on there. And until we speak again, this is Todd Prude signing out for Carl Truman and Amy Bird. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about it reflects a certain pathology within American culture to prioritize physical, certain ideals of physical mm-hmm. beauty, probably related to the fact that America is you know, deeply embedded in, in Hollywood. Right. I think the, the moving image, the movie, has a lot to do mm-hmm. with this as well. We want to acknowledge real beauty and that it's good, and, and how can that be shared appropriately? And, and the way I think of it is the category of holiness, because... That's beautiful. Kind of this false promise oftentimes that our kids will will see if I just looked like that. That interview is next time. Join us then. to refer to Amy as the, the gynocentric intervention. Gyne- the gyne- interruption, it's sorry. Eruption. Interruption, the, the, the sorry. Gynocentric Gynecological intrusion. intervention. That's the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you introduced the term. Um, it's a... Uh... It was a really good no. book about gynocentric interruption We've now in scripture. It by and as soon as I mentioned it, they all burst out laughing. Yeah, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I've always thought of you Richard as an interruption. <laughs> well, Richard Bokum said it in his book, A Gospel Woman. Gospel gynecology. A gospel centered Gospel Everything else has to be gospel centered. <laughs> yeah, Crossway missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> mm, caramel bunnies.